If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open with me to Song of Solomon chapter two. So we've been walking through the Song of Solomon series looking at intimacy and marriage and dating and sex and what does God have to say about those things. Uh, today, we as a church get to celebrate um, Caleb and Hannah this afternoon and they're uh, preparing for their wedding and I don't know of a better sermon series that we could have planned around your wedding in your shower. Uh, I'm thinking if you get to hear it, I, I know in a room this size, uh, there are some of you who are single and this is right up your alley. There's some of you who are married and like, hey, listen, I, we haven't, we dated a long time ago. It's still applicable to where we are at today. Some of you are in this room and you've experienced divorce. And the thought of remarriage and relationships, there's still brokenness and, and what God can lead us through and, and learning about what he has to say in his word. It's profitable for all of us. I don't ever wanna stop learning what God has to say about relationships and, and how God can grow us in that, specifically because anything that's good from God, anything that God has given us will be under attack uh, in sex and intimacy and relationship and marriage. They're good gifts that God's given us. It's gonna be attacked, one, from our fallen nature. Sometimes we blame Satan on what we're doing in our fallenness. We are sinners and we need the grace of God to help us. And, and so marriage and relationships and intimacy will be under attack from our fallenness. It'll also be under attack from our culture. We live in a fallen world and they have no problem telling you maybe their opinion on what they think about marriage and intimacy and sex and relationships. And so as a result, some of us, maybe you're here, you've began to develop unbiblical thoughts and ideas on what God has to say about it. And, and so we wanna talk about it. But then also some of you, you're here today as a Christ follower and you're under spiritual warfare. The Bible talks about these spiritual darts that will be thrown against us. And you feel the impact of those darts against your marriage, against relationships. And so we wanna make sure that we're talking about uh, what, what God's word has to say, even if it's about sensitive subjects. So if you have a child in here, just understand, we are gonna share on those things. We have an unbelievable children's ministry. We're fine with them in here. We just want you to know it could be some fun van conversations. So, as we talk about Song of Solomon and we think about what God has, we looked last week at how there's, what does God's word say about attraction? Uh, biblical attraction, how we're attracted to somebody, what draws us to a person. And we looked at how physical attraction is good, but it's not as good as a spiritual attraction, an inner beauty. And, and the Holy Spirit of God helps us to prioritize inner beauty over physical beauty. And, and now what we're gonna look at is ultimately how a relationship then progresses into dating and loving. So today we're gonna talk about dating and loving. How do we, what leads up to marriage and how do we honor God in that? And then once we are married, how can we continue to date and to love one another? And so we're gonna be looking at that today. Now, go ahead and look with me in, in chapter two. We ended in verse seven, uh, where she's asking the ladies to not awaken the love until it's due time. And that's how she's gonna end, chapter three, verse five. So we're gonna go all the way to that section today uh, as we think about how we can love and date. She says this, listen, um, listen. It's broken up in sections where she's talking and then he's talking. And she says, listen, my love is approaching. Look, here he comes, leaping over the mountains and bounding over the hills. And I love the text because it gives us a picture of how both of them are feeling. Girls, you know what it's like when you see that person that you love or, or that you're liking or, or you're kind of starting to talk a little bit and then they're coming. You're like, oh, God, here he comes. Boy. And you're in a group of people and you kind of get a little giddy. Now, some of you, you've been married for a long time. 
and you see them come, you're like, oh, here they come, you know? And, and so here they're in this new relationship. She's excited. She's like, and look at how she describes him. And men, you can play it cool. You can try to pull on your Top Gun glasses and all that stuff, but they know. They know, look at how she describes him. Here my love comes. And he's, he's coming, he's, he's bouncing around. He come, he's hopping in here like a gazelle or a young stag. See, he is standing behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My love calls to me. He's like, hey, that's my girl over there, boy. And he's bouncing around and he's all giddy. And, and then he's like most guys, you know, when you're first kind of going into a relationship, you're like, man, she cannot catch me looking at her, but I want to look at her. I want to take my eyes all over. So she looks your way and you're like, ah, right? And then she's looking back and he's like, you know, keeps walking. He's like looking over the eyes and he's looking through the crack in a wall and through the lattice. Now, I don't know what they call that back then, but today we call that peeping Tom and that junk's illegal, bro. So like you have to be careful like how you're doing this process. And so he's like looking at her and staring at her and he's giddy and bouncing around and, and she's excited and uh, you're gonna get all kinds of funny stuff. I knew like when Stacy and I started dating, when I, I knew like something's happening here every time I get around her, like her face is kind of turning red a little bit. I think she might like me, but I don't know what, what's happening in all of my emotions, but I know I sure like to get around her. I sure like to be in a group. I sure like to be around her presence. And this is kind of what's happening. But now we're gonna see their relationship kind of take the next step. It's not just that they like each other, but now they, they, they need to, to grow that relationship. So the question then is, how do you do this? Like, how do you grow the relationship? How do you take it to the next step? We call this uh, DTR, defining the relationship. At some point, you kind of got to have a talk about what you are. And, and so they're kind of going to this next step. And so listen what she says. She says, my love calls me. So now he's going to speak. He says, arise, my darling. Come away, my beautiful one. For now the winter is past. The rain has ended and gone away. The blossoms appear in the countryside. The time of singing has come and the turtle doves cooing is heard in our land. You see the picture, they're falling in love. All, it's like rain and cold singleness has been there, but now it's thawing away and, and there's fruitfulness in the valley and, and there's blossoms and vines that are giving off their fragrance. Arise, my darling, come away, my beautiful one. What I want you to see as we begin to walk through this passage is that Solomon is taking the lead in romance. Now I understand Solomon is the king, but in this relationship, he's just kind of entering into this thing and right from the get-go, he is taking the lead in pursuing her and, and communicating so the intimacy can grow, that they can know one another more fully and they can grow deeper in their relationship with, with one another. Now, if you think about this, this is not just here in Song of Solomon. This actually goes back to the beginning. In Genesis, it tells us that, that God created the heavens and the earth and created all the animals and he created man. And as man was naming all the animals, he noticed that as they're going two by two, there's two animals and two animals. He's like, hey, hang on. I don't have another one like me. I don't have a helper that can do what you've told me to do, to fill this worth, fill the, to tend and keep the garden and to fill the earth with worshipers of God. So in the will of God, he falls asleep. God performs surgery, creates woman. And out of that, the very first thing, the very first words in the Bible out of mankind 
is Adam speaking poetry to his new wife. He says, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now y'all hear that and you're like, he needs to work on his poetry game. That is weak. But in the language, it adds emphasis to it. He's like, oh my word, this is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh for she is mine and I am hers and and she shall be called woman because we are together. And God has that first marriage ceremony there. So what you see is that first of all, in Adam and, and what God called him, he called him to be a spiritual leader before anything else. God gave Adam the command to not eat of any of the things in the garden and you can eat all of it, but that one tree in the middle. He gave Adam the command that he would lead his wife. He is to be the spiritual leader. But then also he becomes the leader in romance. The very first thing he does is speak poetry to her. And, and, and ultimately what it does is they become one. And so it speaks to the oneness. Then he says, you are bone of my bone or flesh of my flesh. He becomes the leader in in protection. You are mine and I am yours. And so he begins to take the lead in protection. Later, we're gonna find that God would call him to lead in self-sacrifice, that he would love her like Christ loved the church. This passage is gonna speak to the leadership of man and the roles that men and women play differently within a, a relationship as we begin to date, fall in love, and ultimately get married. So think about it. What did God say first when he comes in and he sees that Adam and Eve have sinned against God? The very first thing God says is, Adam, where are you? He calls Adam because he gave the command to Adam. And he's not just saying like, where are you? Like, I mean, who in here thinks God couldn't find Adam and Eve? Uh, Who in here thinks like, God's like, guys, you're missing. It's time for our walk and I can't see you. No, that's not what's happening. He's not just saying like, where are you? He's saying, Adam, where have you been? Where were you when Eve ate of the fruit and then you ate the fruit? Where were you? You are not doing what I've called you to do, to lead. Where were you when this went down? Solomon is initiating and taking the lead in pursuing a greater intimacy uh, with the woman. He's, He's pursuing her. And so let me kind of give you the first point today as we think about what God has called us to do in a relationship and dating and loving. First of all, men are to lead lovingly. Men are to lead lovingly. Solomon is taking charge, and she's actually gonna help Solomon take charge, men. Y'all know we need help in this. We have to be clear about our intentions. Uh, It's kind of funny because when I think about uh, Stacy and I's relationship, you know, at some point you're growing and, and you have to have this talk. You know, there's two types of guys out there when it comes to having a conversation about wanting to go like in a deeper level with a girl. Some of you men, you come on like way too strong. You bust up in there and you're like, hey, I just want you to know, God told us we're gonna be married. I booked a chapel. And you're just, she's like, okay, get away with me. Here's a restraining order. You just like, you kind of freak him out. You're too strong in it. You just come in and you just like run her over. You're like, hey, we're supposed to get married. Like we're in this. I've already asked your parents. And she's like, what's your name? And you're just too strong in it. So there's some men that come in like way too aggressive, way too strong, scares them to death. Then there's other men, which I was in this category. You just never communicate at all. You just kind of do your best to kind of, you're scared of maybe like failure. If, if we talk about it, she might say no. So if I can just kind of ease this thing on along, like it'll just kind of define itself. Let, let me tell you how I did this. Lord, help me. You're gonna be hearing about all the ways that I failed in this. Men, I'm not preaching this sermon series saying do what I do. I'm saying let's learn to do what God wants all of us to do. Amen, men? 
So let me tell you how I did this. Stacy and I had been hanging around groups for a long time. I knew, like, we obviously were into each other. We we're having conversations about dating and what that meant. At that time, I was a pastor. So I'm a lead pastor. Lead pastors don't get to date. Let me just throw that out there. How many lead pastors you know like dating somebody, right? Well, like, they're not supposed to be. But how many, like... It's just not out there. And so I had to be really slow and really careful. And so we start talking and I'd already talked to her dad about what that meant and had his blessing. And, but I wasn't exactly sure how to do it. And so she was at our house, New Year's, we're getting ready to roll in. And, um, and so she was on my computer. Oh, this is so weak. So she's on my computer on her Facebook. So what I did was I rolled in and I changed her Facebook status to in a relationship with Jacob Green. And then I showed it to her. My thought was, everybody's on Facebook, like at New Year's, posting pictures and stuff. I'll get a bunch of likes and momentum before we even like goes there. You know, and I'm like, you can't change it now. And so, but it was out of, if I'm honest, don't laugh at me, laugh with me. <laughs> but if I'm honest, it was probably just out of a little like maybe fear or awkwardness of how do we have that conversation? Like, what is that like? I know where we are, do we even have to talk about this? Like, let's just do this thing. Like, we know we like each other. And some of you men, that, that's where you're at. And the truth is, it was probably an indicator for Stacy of where things were about to go in our marriage. A guy that doesn't really, is not good at sharing emotions or feelings or like defining certain things. And so how do you do that? Matter of fact, there is a, a poll that was done over 50,000 singles and they asked guys and girls, is it okay in your opinion for a girl to ask a guy out? Now, some of you out there, you're like, no way. I'm old school. That is not happening. It is wrong. Like, guy, you better do it. Some of you, though, are like, you know what? Guys are all scared. They're going to pull a Jacob, and girls can do that thing. Listen to this. Here's the thing. I really wanted to see the poll, not for the statistic. I wanted the comments. I was in it for the comments. I mean, one lady was like, men are a bunch of chickens. I want men from back in the day that'll man up and ask a girl out, you know, and all these other girls are like, you right, sister? And I mean, I was like, oh, Lord help. And so here's the deal. You ready? Here's how the thing rolled out. Most of the guys, 70% of the guys who responded said, yes, a girl can ask a guy out. Of the ladies, 75% of the girls said, no, a guy has to ask out. There is a picture of why we need the sermon series right there. Because guys are saying, wait, listen, help, help a brother out. Like, I don't know where you're at. You know, if you just asked me out, it'd be simpler. Girls, some of you are sitting around like, I'm just tired of waiting. They're all scared to death. You know, they're gonna like text me or like change the Facebook status. So like, I, I'll just do the asking. And then guys, you're like, mm, I don't really know how to do this. So what should we do? How do we, how do, we do this? And so what does the Bible even say about this? And, and where do we go? Now, here's the deal, guys. Women are not to be stalked like prey. That's not what you're gonna find in the scriptures. It's not like Animal Planet where you're like going and grabbing. Like That's not what we have. That's not what we see in the scriptures. Matter of fact, he doesn't only call her out like, I want to go on this walk. But in their language, the way that he did it was not just like, will you be my girlfriend? But what he does is he gives her security by saying, hey, if you look in uh, chapter two, verse nine, what he says, it says, my love is like a gazelle or young sex. See, he is standing behind her walk, gazing through the windows. The word gazing, maybe your text says he sees me. He's looking at me. He sees me in Hebrew. What that word means is it doesn't just mean that he sees her like visibly. It's saying that he sees into her. She's saying he doesn't see me. He has seen into me. 
Uh, there's a, a movie back in the day, remember Avatar, that movie, like the Blue Giants or whatever, and, and there's this guy, he's been paralyzed by war and he wants his legs back. So he goes on this mission where they can remove his consciousness and put him into this like blue alien avatar person. So he goes in there and he learns this whole nother culture and this whole nother world. He meets another blue alien and, and she uses this word and, and the word is different than in English. And she says, no, it doesn't just mean that you see me. It means that you see into me. And he learned a deeper meaning of seeing that person. And this is the Hebrew word. See, sometimes guys are like, oh yeah, I see you. But what she is saying is, I don't wanna be seen, I wanna be seen. And he's saying, I see you. I'm looking into your heart, I see you. And so he brings this, uh, this intimacy to her, this, this confidence that he brings, this security. And so she knows like, okay, we're going deeper. So when he asks, she's like, yes, he has seen into me. Well, Willard Hardley writes this book. I think it's a great book, uh, I, I recommend it a lot. It's called His Needs, Her Needs. And in this book, he talks about the difference between men and women as they go into relationships. He says this, the main problem in, in relationships is thinking that a partner has the same need as we do. So men enter into a relationship thinking, my wife needs what I need. And then she enters into a relationship thinking, he needs what I need. He goes on to say uh, that neurobiologists tell us that there are a hundred million differences in the brain wiring of men and women. I did not need a neuro neurobiologist brain person to tell me that. There are massive difference between men and women. I can just tell in like making of our bed. If, if, if I was in charge of making our bed at home, do you know what it would be like? First of all, if we're honest, it wouldn't be made. Like the covers would be like thrown into a corner. I'm just gonna, by the time I get home, mess it up. But either way, there'd be two pillows on our bed because that's all I need. I just need like two pillows. My wife needs 487 pillows. You like dive head first. Oh, like, you know, you, it takes about five minutes to get the covers off and just like throw them to the side. Why? Because for her, I'm thinking functionally. She's thinking I need to accessorize. And, and that's just one of the millions of differences between the way that men and women think. Men, can I get an amen? All you other men just chicken out. I saw you. You're like, Ladies, can I get an amen? There's a hundred million differences in the way that your brain is wired and the way that his brain is wired. And if you go into a relationship thinking, his needs are my needs. Matter of fact, he goes on to write this. He says, here's, a, here's some of the things that men prioritize and their needs in entering into a relationship. Number one, sex. Is anyone surprised? But listen what he follows that with. He said, not only is it sex, but it's respect. It's uh, he, that men are looking for someone that they can have fun with. And following that, he says, it's someone who takes care of themselves and also has tranquility and peace. That one thing men are looking for is a safe place to come home to. In the midst of the craziness, they want someone that they can come home to. Listen to what women, he says, are looking for in, in the top list of things that women are looking for. Number one, affection. Women are looking for affection. Someone that will love me affectionately. Here's a big one. Are you ready, guys? You're gonna love this. Conversation. Women are looking for someone they can talk to. As a matter of fact, he says that on average, what satisfies the normal, normal women, now you might have more or less, but the range is that they are looking for 15 hours of real conversation every week. That is my life, that is my wife verbally laughing out loud on the front row. 
you think about that, men. Think about it for a moment. That is, on average, two hours of meaningful conversation every day. Meaningful. Now, what does that mean, though? That means someone that will just talk to her. Here's why. You ready? Because another thing that women were looking for is someone that will give her significance. Someone that will make her feel important. Someone that will say, this is my woman. This is my girl. This is my person. Lastly, they were looking for a guy that is trustworthy and has integrity. I can really sum it up in two words. A woman's list is, is based on security and intimacy. Security and intimacy. I want somebody that I can talk with, that I can share my heart with, that I can be vulnerable with, and someone that I know that's gonna love my crazy at the end of the day. I need somebody with me and, and is there. Security and intimacy. Matter of fact, men, let me just take a moment as we think about what it means to lead. I, we're not gonna find this in the text. This is just kind of a side note. I wanna give you four things that I think all men are called to do. This is who we are. When we say that men are called to lead lovingly, let me give you four roles, if you will, four things. By the way, these are the exact four things that I believe a pastor's job is. These are the same four things. Men, we pastor, shepherd, love, and lead our home. And, and then we also, as a pastor, this is a church, four things. Number one, we're to love. We're to love God and love one another. Love God and love one another. You see, men, as we experience the love of God, it helps us love rightly within our homes. It's only when we love God and fall deeper in love with him that we know how to truly love our spouse, love our children, love our family. That's why the, the deeper we grow in our relationship with God, we realize how much we need God and how much we need his help in leading and, and being the man God's called us to be in our home. But let me secondly say this about love. Not only are we called to love God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind, but you are also called to love one woman all the days of your life. Now, I say that because I know in a room this size, statistics tell me 50% of you have already experienced divorce. And some of you, you're not there yet, but you're well on the way of it. So here's what happens. Because we've experienced divorce, I come from a divorce home. Because we've experienced it, we don't talk about it anymore because we're nervous that we're gonna offend somebody. If you have been divorced, then you should also be loudly saying that we are not only to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, that God's intentions are for us to love one person all the days of our life. Every football team that I've spoken to, every football team I've spoken to in Houston County, and I go over what it means to be a man, I tell them that their aim should be to love one woman all the days in our life. That's what God desires, but it doesn't always happen. Sin messes that up. Divorce happens and God helps us through that and strengthens us, but we should never shy away from training and teaching and helping young people to not to navigate through it that their intentions are to love God and to love one, one, one person all the days of our life. And so I would say if you've been divorced, you could help in speaking about that by allowing God to use your voice and, and to grow through your experience and we love God and love one person all the days or our life secondly is to lead. And we're gonna hit on that today, so I'm not gonna go into great detail because we already have, but we're called to love and we're called to lead. We're called to lead our families, lead our marriages, lead in intimacy and, and these things that we're gonna be talking about. We're to be leaders. God set it up that way. Uh, this is how he organized it. Men, we are called to love, to lead, thirdly, to feed. To feed. In the garden when they sinned, part of the cursing was he told Adam, it's gonna be harder for you to work the ground now and to provide for your family. Part of our cursing men is, is when you think you're at home stressing about finances and stressing about having enough for your family and providing, you're thinking, well, the world is just hard. That's a result of sin. It is harder because that's how sin messed it up. 
uh, just like a woman in her labor pain is reminded of the brokenness of the world, we are reminded as you're trying to provide for your family, it's that much harder. So you are realizing our need for God and his provision and his help. We're to love, we're to lead, we're to feed, but lastly, we're to protect. We're to protect, you're to protect your family, you're to protect your home. This one was difficult for me because I grew up in Warner Robins when Warner Robins was smaller. When I moved to Warner Robins, we moved from Macon, we never locked our doors at home. We never locked our cars. Matter of fact, when I moved from Warner Robins to Raleigh-Durham, I, I didn't lock my doors to my house, I didn't lock my car, and people were like, are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? I'm like, what? What's gonna happen? They're like, they might steal your car. I'm like, that could be a blessing. <laughs> So then I started leaving the keys in the ignition, like just take it. Uh, but I had to learn what it meant in a dangerous world to not just look after myself, but to protect our family, to protect our home and to protect our marriage. And so we're to love, lead, feed and protect. What is happening uh, is Solomon is taking the lead. He's saying, you come walk with me. Hey, let's, you come, remember chapter one, she says, hey, I wanna take my goats near where you are, where are you at? Chapter two, he's saying, hey, you come on and walk with me. You, my beautiful one. There's no one else, like you are that person. So let me give you maybe a tip that I think that God has really convicted me on this week in, in learning how to do this. I think one of the things, men, for us to lead well is we have to learn to listen. And I say learn to listen, because listening, the active listening is not always natural. Matter of fact, I'll tell you, in my lifetime, I don't know that anyone has ever sat me down and said, Jacob, let's talk about as a leader, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, what it means to be an active listener. The only thing I've ever heard in my life about listening is, boy, if you don't listen to me, I'm gonna whoop your tail. That was the extent of learning how to listen. But the truth is, a lot of us knowing how to lead and, and love our wives is, is hearing sometimes what they're saying and sometimes what they want us to hear and what they're not saying. And we have to be an active listener in this. I, I mean, th when Stacy and I were dating, we used to talk on the phone forever. Students, I'm gonna age myself. This was back before there was like unlimited talking and texting. We actually had like a certain amount of minutes before like I think nine maybe, and you can only use so many minutes. And me being the cheap joker that I am, I knew how many minutes I had. But at 9.01, boy, I'm calling at that time Stacy Watson, let's talk. And you know what? We would talk from nine to one to two, I mean, late into the night. So much so, I was like that, you know, that deer running around, I was that guy. And, and here's the thing, so much, we talked so much that it was time to go to sleep. And it's like, all right, listen, babe, just put the phone beside your head and we'll fall asleep talking on the phone to each other. Come on, guys, don't lie. I'm just brave enough to talk about it. Yes, you did. You did, right? I did. I wanted to talk to her. But you know what? If we're not careful, what happen? You'll get married and in the busyness of that, Man, you go, hey, we used to talk all the time. And now you go home and you're like, so many words. So many words. Men, you want to use 11 words when you get, you get home. And she's wanting to have a conversation and she's wanting to talk and she's wanting to be heard. And you're like, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I've, and, and there's going all these things. And so one of the ways that we show that we love is by listening. And by active listening, men, how many times have you gotten in trouble because you learned how to look at her, but think about other things? And then she says, did you hear what I said? And what you did was you had a pre-recorded script in your head that you were gonna say if she caught you. Like, yeah, you said this. 
11 minutes ago. And what happens is she sees that you're not looking at her, you're looking through her. And, and what happens is you're listening, but you have a million things in your mind. You're thinking about finances, you're thinking about your job, you're thinking about work, you're thinking about kids, you're thinking about all this other stuff and you're, you're talking, but maybe not listening. Man, I, I'm, I'm the world's worst at this. My brain sometimes just doesn't cut off. It's the best thing sometimes happens is just put the cell phone away and say, okay, I'm gonna listen to what she has to say. You know, what question that I get asked a lot as a pastor is how do I affair proof my marriage? How do we love one another in such a way that we don't have affairs? Can I tell you, no person that I've ever met who's walked through affairs has said, we just, we just wanted to have affairs. We, just, we knew when we got married, one day we're probably gonna cheat on one another. They actually tell me the opposite. They say, you know what? We never in a million years thought we would get right here. We never thought, so how does that happen? Let me tell you how most affairs happen through someone disconnecting with their spouse and reconnecting with someone else. And let me tell you how it happens for girls, for ladies. Because by the way, for an affair to happen, it takes two people. Often when we think about affairs, like, well, men are just scumbags. Well, if they're having an affair, it, there's another party. So how does it happen for girls? Let me tell you how it happens for girls. It happens for girls in that a guy stopped paying attention to her, stopped active listening, stopped pursuing her, stopped the leading in intimacy, and as a result, another guy started paying attention. Another guy started pursuing, started seeking, started leading, and he entices her into an affair. He, he then, he, he goes, he pursues her, and she's going, man, you know what? My husband didn't take the lead. This man is taking the lead, and he's giving me what I don't have. I'm disconnected from my spouse, and I've allowed myself to connect with someone else, whether that's healthy boundaries, whatever. She says, I never thought I would be here, but this is how it happened for a man Rarely for a lady is it like, oh, that guy's just so fine. It's that he, he emotionally connected with her where he was not being, where she didn't feel like she was being satisfied for a guy. It's, it's something like this. My wife no longer respects me. She doesn't respect me. She doesn't give me the respect that I have. She doesn't love me intimately like that. It's just nagging on me or beating me up. Or, and so this girl though wants me. She's telling me everything that I want to hear, how great that I am. She's building up, and he's saying, I wanted to be wanted. And so how do you affair-proof your marriage? It starts with men, you leading how God intended for it to be. It started with you walking through a Song of Solomon series like this and going, you know what? I'm falling short as a man in some areas in my leadership. It's going to the Lord and saying, you know what, God, I need some help in this. I'm not a very good listener right now. I'm not giving my wife the time that she needs to use her words. I'm not leading, I'm not pursuing her and saying, hey, you come and walk with me, my beautiful, my lovely one. Men are to lead lovingly. So girls, what does that mean? It means for you, if you are single, then he should pursue you. He should ask you out. If you have to ask him out, then that should just be one of those signs at the beginning that there might be some, some things going on here that, that are falling short. And you say, well, he's never gonna ask me out. Then don't date him. Then don't date that guy. I know you're like, well, there's a million guys in the seas, but not like him. I can tell you there is something worse than being single, and that's being married to the wrong person. That's being having your heart broken over and over because you're like, man, this didn't work. So men lead lovingly. Men, I wanna just say, just coming from me, if you're here today and there's some areas that you are convicted, you're like, man, I know. As I walk through this, there's no perfect man in this room. 
we all need to grow in this. And I'll tell you, part of the reason I'm loving this sermon series is because it's showing me areas that I want to improve and I want to grow in. Maybe just take some notes right now and say, okay, God, I need your help in this. I'm not naturally good at this. I don't know a lot of men that are just supernaturally in touch with their emotions and their feelings and are good at communicating. But God is greater than those things and he can help us. So men lead lovingly. So what does this mean for women? What does this mean for women? Women, you are to follow joyfully. You are to follow joyfully. Let me show you how this text kind of shows this. Look what he's saying. The fig tree ripens in verse 33, verse 13. The blossoming vines give off their fragrance. Arise, my darling, come away with me, my beautiful one. So let's go on this walk, let's go talk. So you're thinking, I wonder what they talk about. I mean, they're going on this talk. They've gotta be talking about how in love they are, how amazing they are. Let me show you what, how the talk goes. Men, listen up. In verse 15, this is what she says. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, for our vineyards are in bloom. How does the conversation go? It goes something like this. Hey, I like you because it's obvious we're walking together. And for our relationship to go to the next level, it's in bloom. They said the vineyard is blooming. It's bearing fruit. Our love is growing. Our relationship is maturing. But as a woman, I can see that there are some foxes that can destroy the vineyard. Now, there's an Old Testament story about this man named Samson, he was big and powerful and strong and, and he, took, he caught these foxes and he, he lit uh, their tails, he connected fire to their tails and set them loose to the vineyard and they ran all through the vineyard and, and they caught the, uh, all their, their wheat and their things on fire and he destroyed, it destroyed the harvest. And what she is saying is I can see where there are some areas, some foxes that can sneak up and, and hurt our relationship. Well, those foxes would go in and and the vineyard, as they were bearing leaves, they would go in and nip at it, and it would destroy the vineyard. It wouldn't produce fruit. So what she is saying is, I can see, she's worried, I can see where there are some foxes that can creep in and can hurt our love. Here's what she is doing. She's following his leadership, but she is empowering his leadership. She, notice she doesn't say, hey, I'm gonna fix these problems. She says, hey, there are some problems that can come up, and I'm not gonna tell you what they are but I need you to lead the way in destroying them. I need you to address them so that our relationship can blossom. What would be the next question if you were a guy? What are the foxes? I'll catch them right now, my lovely. That's probably what he would say. I'm just guessing. Someone told me, Jacob, every time you read the guy's portion, you read it like your love voice. I'm like, I can't help it. It's just what it does. But she's saying there's these problems. There's these things that are, that are happening. Now, ladies, let me talk to you for a second specifically about this sermon series. You might listen to this sermon series and realize that there are some things that in this series that need to change in your marriage. And your tendency might be for you when you find those problems to beat him over the head with it or to hound him over the head with it and say, you need to fix this. You need to get this right. You need to do this better. But here's what I wanna encourage you with. Perhaps this sermon series, you would take a different approach and you would say, you know what? I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna hound him over it. I'm gonna let it go. And I'm gonna circle those things that I feel like maybe are weaknesses within our marriage and I'm gonna pray over them. And I'm gonna empower him to lead and I'm gonna follow joyfully his leadership as we discover what those foxes are together and as a team, we destroy them that our, our beautiful harvest would produce, that our, our love would grow into and would mature. You see, some of you men right now, you're taking notes and you're realizing there's some things that you want to do better and you want to change. And there's nothing that will crush that change than your spirit being crushed. So ladies, one of the ways that you could joyfully follow is to say, you know what? 
what I'm gonna do during this sermon series is I'm gonna be his greatest prayer warrior. I'm gonna identify areas within our relationship that need to grow, that need to mature, and I'm gonna have his back in prayer knowing that as God makes them known, I'm gonna help him in them. I'm gonna let him know that there's a problem. You see, she empowers him with her love and grace to make those changes. See, with your love and your grace and your affirmation, those things that you so desire within your relationship will produce. You just have to let it be known. She sends him, hey, there's some foxes that can destroy him. And so let me, let me tell you, there's a guy named Tommy Nelson. He preached one of the first sermon series through Song of Solomon in the 90s. People were not talking about sex and marriage and intimacy and dating, and it, it was hurting. So he preached a seven-week sermon series, and it's still famous today. You can go listen to it. It's unbelievable. And it's a little dated in his terminology, but at this point, he talks about how the relationship has gone through different phases. Let me kind of give you quickly the phases that he gives you. And then I'm gonna kind of update him what I think that terminology is today. He first of all says the first level, level one of a relationship is dating. Dating, he says this is not exclusive to each other. Dating is when you're talking to each other, getting to know each other, hanging out with groups. You're not holding hands, you're not kissing, you're not intimate in any way. You're just kind of learning, is this somebody that I could like or that I could, could grow deeper with? He says the second phase is what he calls courting. This is when you begin to grow deeper. This is when you're having harder, more intimate, more detailed relationship conversations. You're talking about the future. You're talking about what, what God's doing. Then you're, there's engagement. Uh, then you get engaged. This is where you're promised to one another to be married and you're planning for your marriage and then you get married. Now, the way maybe I would use some of the terminology today and students, I know every generation tries to recreate terminology. That's why we have to, Jeff, God help me. I'm still trying to learn. And, and that's why we like to hang out with y'all to try to learn. Today, maybe when I was there, you would call it talking. It's talking. First step is, hey, we're talking. We're talking. We're texting one another. All right, we're, we're following each other on Instagram, or now we're Snapchatting or whatever. Next week, there'll be something else, but we're talking. And, and you're getting to know each other. And, and then that way, it's simple. And then if it doesn't work out, it's not like heartbreaking. You're like, oh, okay, well, didn't really like this. We didn't really click. We couldn't really talk. He didn't really listen or whatever. So that's not the person. But at some point, the relationship goes beyond that. And what you're finding in this passage is she keeps delaying that next step. She wants to make sure in chapter three, verse five, she's gonna say, do not awaken our love until it's ready. Do not awaken our intimacy until it's ready. She says it again in chapter two, verse seven, do not awaken our intimacy until it's ready. What she's doing is guarding their relationship every step along the way. So let me tell you kind of how, how we kind of walked about this process. And maybe this is some things for you to think about. Students, I would encourage you to actually have a conversation with your parents about this. You actually talk about it. Like, hey, what do you think like good steps to like going into a relationship are? So let me tell you how we kind of developed some, some steps along this way. And, and before I say anything else, just know, before we went into any other step, I sat down with Stacy's dad and I asked him to bless the steps. So we sat down over some barbecue. I paid because I wanted to be in his good graces, boy. And, and let's talk. Here, here's kind of where we are. Stacy and I are talking right now. We're hanging out in groups. We're talking on the phone. We're getting to know each other a whole lot better. And she knows that I love the Georgia Bulldogs and I really want to beat Florida and uh, prayer requests. But anyway, and so we're learning each other, all these things. But I would like it to go to the next level. But I want to make sure that you understand to me what that next level is. When we enter into this next phase, when I ask her to be my girlfriend or for us to be exclusive in that way, for me, what that means is that I've been around your daughter long enough that I know that this is somebody that I could absolutely spend the rest of my life with. 
And we're gonna have some maybe deeper conversations during that time frame. I'm gonna be very intentional in talking about some things that I'll share with you in just a second. We're gonna lay everything out on the table. And we're gonna make sure in our communication that we're, we're on the same page in those areas. And then if that happens, I would love to marry your daughter. But we, this next phase is really important. But I want your blessing. And he said, hang on, <laughs> I have a list. <laughs> and he broke out a list. And it was awesome. It was, it was a phenomenal, but we had a plan. Some of you, the way that I know you're not ready to date is because you have no plan whatsoever. You're just winging it. You're just kind of winging it like relationships aren't really that big of a deal. But can I tell you what happens? Every relationship along the way, it hurts a little piece of you. And, and for some of you, you're giving away little pieces to you. And you're gonna carry that into a relationship. So let me give you how that happens. Because the next phase, this from dating to courtship or from talking to uh, like dating, however you want it, that second phase, this is where you should be having real conversations. If you're struggling with pornography, this is where you talk about it. You don't wait till you put a ring on it, get married, and then say, oh, by the way, the last 10 years I've been fighting pornography. What? We've never talked about that till now, and I'm not just talking to the guys. This is guys and girls. Have you been in relationships with other people? Have you crossed sexual boundaries? This is where you talk about it. This is where you share, I've lost my virginity. I've had sex with someone else. I, hey, here's a plan for my life. I wanna be a stay-at-home mom or I wanna work. I, I wanna have kids or I don't wanna have kids. Hey, that would be really bad to get married, don't you think, if you're like, hey, I wanna have eight kids. Like, oh, awesome, I wanna have zero. Well, I can go and tell you, that's gonna be a problem. That's gonna be a problem. Like, that's gonna be a struggle. This is where you talk about life plans and kids and jobs and, and what you're doing. Because this is where you deal with foxes. These are things that can sneak up in your relationship and they'll, they'll hurt their, their vineyard later. They'll hurt the produce of your relationship and your marriage. So verse 15, she's like, look, we're starting to fall in love, but there are these little foxes that'll nip at the butts and they'll destroy our harvest and I need you to deal with them so it doesn't destroy our relationship. Notice, I need you to deal with them. Once again, she's forcing his leadership. You lead, I'll joyfully follow. You, let's start talking about these foxes and let's, let's deal with this. Look, there are a lot of great relationships that go under because people have not dealt with foxes. There's a lot of great relationships. Maybe right now you're hurting, you are suffering because there's foxes nipping at the way and you gotta deal with them. And some of them are painful and they're hard. But together with the help of Christ, Sometimes even with counselors. Look, when a, a, a pastor that I look up to at a mega church was talking and he said, listen, my wife and I, we go see a counselor twice a year. The whole church is, <gasps> what? Can I tell you, we don't talk about problems enough in the church. I'll tell you this, I would rather go talk to somebody and get help and our marriage flourish and be blessed than to just get eaten up by foxes and just suffer. Some of you, we need to deal with these things. And so you need to deal with them. So let me give you really quickly, maybe a few foxes that might nip, things that you need to communicate and you need to come up with. Number one, bad communication. Bad communication. Look, if you changed your Facebook status to get in a relationship, you probably need to deal with that fox. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna have to talk about that. Communication, you gotta talk. Like if, if men, if you just are internal and keep everything inside and, and you're so working on things and, and your communication is showing, you're gonna have to deal with that. How many fights have you had within your marriage because of a communication problem? Men, she said this, you said this, she interpreted it this way and you interpreted it that way. You were speaking Greek, she was speaking Hebrew. 
in, in communication. We have to deal with those foxes and be able to communicate on the same space. You know, here's another one, and I tell everybody this. This is a big one. Using your spouse as an idol. This is a big one. Let me tell you what that means. That means that you are trying to find something out of your partner that you can only find in Christ. This is need love versus given love. Let me tell you the difference. Need love says I have to have this love to be happy. I have to have this love to be complete. I need your love to be satisfied and then you become an idol to them. They have to have you. Given love says I I have Jesus. I have everything I need in him but he has given you to me as a blessing. And so there's a difference there. Let me tell you how and why this is important. Because if you are looking for somebody to satisfy your loneliness or your insecurity or whatever else, your source of worth, then what happens is your need for them crushes them. Anybody ever got on an elevator and when you walk in, I don't know if anybody else is this person. I I walk in, I turn around, the first thing I look at is the maximum occupancy number and the weight load. If I walk in and the weight load says the max load is 1,200 pounds, I just want you to know, in case you get on an elevator with me, I'm judging your weight. I'm calculating in my head. This guy walks on, okay, this guy's about 200. I know what I'm at, I know what this person's at. If another person gets on this elevator, I'm getting off. We're close to that max load. You know why? Because that max load is saying that this elevator is safe up to this much weight. But if it goes over that, there's a chance we're gonna have a problem. Now, I'm sure they buffer a little bit in there, you know, plus or minus a little bit. I don't wanna play, I don't wanna be on 10th floor and be like in that movie where you hear that joker snap and then everybody can look at each other for like five seconds and then it falls. I don't want that. So if I get on there and we go over the maximum occupancy load, just know my wife and I are walking, we're off. Goodbye, have a good one. Healthy respect. You know what I'd say every couple should have as a sign for your maximum occupancy load within a relationship? It cannot carry the weight of your soul. God did not make me to carry the weight of Stacy's soul. And God did not make Stacy to carry the weight of my soul. Some of you are in a relationship where you're wanting somebody to carry the weight of your soul and it will crush them. God is here to carry the weight of our soul. He died on the cross and rose again so that we can have life and have it abundantly in Jesus. So some of you, you have turned that relationship into a need and as a result, it's crushing the other person. It is stifling. You're suffocating them. Let me give you another one. Another fox can be not knowing how to forgive. You're gonna mess up in a relationship. You're gonna say something wrong. You're gonna do something wrong. And as a result, men, you're like, she wanted me to use my words. I use my words and now she's not talking to me. And you're gonna deal with things. And so as you're dealing with that, you have to learn how to forgive. You have to forgive. It's a small fox, but can I tell you, it'll ravage the field and destroy the joy and the fruit that a relationship can bear. Can I tell you another small fox? And it's not small because it's not like a small sin. It's small because a lot of people hide these. Sexual addiction. Sexual addiction, you've had sexual addiction problems. You've gone through sexual hurt in your life. You've been sexually abused and you go, you know what, I don't wanna talk to them about this. I don't wanna walk through this. We're just gonna hide it. So you think you can sweep your sexual addiction problem under the rug, but can I tell you what will happen? It will come up in your marriage. It's gonna come up. Men, you think you can hide it. Ladies, you think you can hide it. And boom, there it is. It's a fox and it's biting at your marriage. There's another one, what about financial strain? If you're not having talks about money and like, okay, are we gonna tithe? 
Like, let's talk about tithing for a second. If, if she thinks you should tithe and he thinks you shouldn't, and then you get married and you pull your money together and one of you make a 10% gift to the church like we believe God's called you to, somebody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where did my gun money go? Wait, where did my shopping excess go? Uh, we just wrote our tithes, like, whoa, what's happening? You're not on the same page financially. And so now you've got these problems and it's bringing stress. You know another one? Let me get the last one here, another thought, boundaries. You don't know how to have healthy boundaries. So you, you don't understand the power of leaving and cleaving and becoming one spouse. So you've got in-law problems. You've got brother and sister problems within a marriage because you've got issues happening because you don't have right boundaries. Every time you get in a fight, she takes off and runs to mama. And now, now mama's in it. And now mama don't like you because of what their daughter just told them about you. And now you've got issues. So you're really excited about Thanksgiving and Christmas this year. You just can't wait for the family to get together. And she doesn't know why you wanna avoid every family gathering. You know why? Well, because you cross boundaries. And now the relationship is strained and it's a fox that'll just nip at a relationship. Some of you are like, dear God, I'm gonna stay single <laughs> like forever. That sounds like a lot. There is no joy. Man, there's outside of Jesus. There is no joy like the love that I found in my bride. I'm telling you, it is outside of Jesus. It's the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. And the truth is, every single year, it is better than you think that it's gonna be. And I told first service that, somebody came up to me and said, look, you just wait till you're our age. I'm gonna leave him in the sanctuary. I'm, you know, <laughs> and they said, it's unbelievable. It's the best thing ever, but it's difficult. And we need Christ's help in this. So what he is saying is I need to lead. And what she is saying is I wanna joyfully follow. I'm gonna empower you. You take the lead on this. Now, men, if we're not careful in this, let me tell you how we get in trouble. And I'll tell you, I experienced this. When I first came to Shirley Hills, it was kind of overwhelming all the things that I felt like God was telling me that he had planned for our church. I was praying, I was in the word, I was thinking about our staff and what God was gonna do, how we're gonna reach middle Georgia for Jesus. And all these things were flooding me. So as a result, when I came home, I was coasting. I was just coasting at home I, because my mind was consumed with all these things that how I need to be leading our church, what I need to be doing in my job. This is God's calling and it's my job. And so I noticed one day as a dad and as a husband, I've been kind of lazy. I've been kind of apathetic. I've been coaching. I'm not leading. I'm being led. And if we're not careful, men, we can fall into that trap. And in the same way, ladies, in, in light of frustration, what can you can say, well, because of his lack of leadership, I'll become the leader. I will step into his role instead of staying right where God called you to do and you lovingly, prayerfully empowering his leadership. So, as we get ready to close, let me close it this way. When we talk about male leadership, what I wanna make sure we understand today, because somebody is watching this sermon online right now and you're mad because when we say men are called to lead, you're saying, well, you're not letting me be the woman God has for me to be. I'm strong and powerful and all of that stuff. So let me just tell you, God knows better than you do. He created it this way. And when we submit to God's plan for us, I promise you it is far more joyful than we could ever imagine. So let me close with this today. In the courting part, when they moved into this exclusive relationship, what she tells them is that my love, he says, my love is mine and I am his. She's like, he is mine and I'm it. Now they've stepped into this relationship with just them two. She goes in and in, in the beginning of chapter three and she has this dream about losing him. She starts to worry that she's gonna lose him because that she loves him. And then it closes and it ends with the same warning. Do not awaken my sexual desire until the time is right. Let me close with this. Here's your homework for this week. 
Here's your homework, all right? Pray some of you guys can go ahead and come as we prepare to respond to what God has. Here's your homework. I wanna encourage all of our married couples this week, I don't care where you're at in this phase, to go on a date this week. Now, some of you, you are empty nesting. So you're like, oh yeah, that's easy. We go on a date whenever we want to. That's awesome, like, let's do this. Others, you're like, okay, we got a lot of kids at the house. We gotta find sitters, like, this is hard. So here's how I wanna encourage you. If you are here today and you have an empty nest and you know some people within our congregation that have kids at home and it's hard for them, I want you to reach out to them and say, hey, listen, we're going on our date on Monday night because we can. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, kids, yeah, empty nest, it's awesome. We can go on Monday night if you want to. But you can't. So let us watch your kids for you for free. We don't wanna charge you. We wanna love you. We wanna love your kids. And listen, I'm not saying because I'm your pastor, everybody call me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's other couples out here straining right now under the weight and responsibility of parenting young kids and you were there. So go kind and say, I wanna watch your kids so that you will go on a date. And here's what you're gonna do. Men, here's what you're gonna ask. You're gonna ask her, do I listen? Do not fix her answer. Do not challenge her answer. You are... If you say, do I listen, and she answers you, and you start fighting her back, you're not listening, right there. So listen, you just wanna say, do I listen? And if it takes her an hour to unload all that she has, you're gonna sit there on your, I don't, hey, eat somewhere, I mean, Mexican is good, you just keep rocking that salsa for an hour. <laughs> and you just listen to what she is telling you. Just, am I listening? Ladies, then when you're done, you're gonna ask him this question. Do I respect you? Do I respect you? Ladies, you are not gonna challenge his answer. You're not gonna fight him over his answer. You are not gonna tell him how his answer is wrong and if he would have just listened in the first place, he would have the right answer. So you are asking him, men, lady, asking your ladies, do I listen? Ladies, you're asking your husband, do I respect you if you are single? And you're like, well, where's my homework? Here's your homework. Last week, you wrote down some things that you were looking for in, in a spouse, these non-negotiable characteristics that you find in the Bible. Here's your homework. You can do this with some other people and y'all can go eat salsa and cheese dip too. And over your homework, I want you to find Bible verses that match what you wrote down. If you wrote down things on your list that are not in the Bible, then maybe you should ask yourself, are these really non-negotiables or have I... Un, you know, if I, if I have some things made out of balance that I'm making too big of a deal. I just wanna find some scripture to write down what I'm doing. Students, some of you today, you need to reevaluate some of your relationships. You're still trying to flirt to convert and that's not God's best. You're still trying to, you're still thinking you can do it your way and you can't. It's not gonna bear the fruit that God has. Lord, right now we ask that you would lead our hearts. I, I know, I know in a congregation this size, that there are just some battles and fights and things that we're all trying to work on, that we can be the men and women you've called us to be. 